Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we got it. Joseph Biden is the next white boy of America. Ladies and gentlemen, Joseph Biden has been compromised to a permanent end. <laughs> the crowd at Monday Night Raw goes wild. <laughs> uh, dude, you see, you see Joe Biden's arms. He could be a wrestler. I mean, he got the he got the vaccination yesterday, and he rolled up the arms, and he had some like muscle tone. He had some fresh like. I'm talking like 55 year old hair on them arms. Wow. What I love to see is a buff old man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it reminds me, it's like, oh yeah, like looking at his arms and, you know, looking at the way he, you know, he drove a car and that man, I love, I love cars ad that he did a few months ago. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like it, it, your mind may be rotting, but your body is still a temple. Is Does that mean that Joseph Biden is a sort of a himbo? I think he might be the first himbo president. Yeah, I think Joseph Biden might be our first himbo president. So congratulations to him. Big win for representation, which, as mm -hmm. John Delaney like, loves to remind us on Twitter, is way more important than policy. John Delaney's body is is is, an, is an, it's like a clear attempt to copy paste the min maxing that Biden's body did, but Delaney just he he missed a few of the talent points. I mean, he's nice with the box jumps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's good with box jumps, and yeah, he's definitely got dad bod too for sure. Um, but did you see his tweet that I was referring to? Mm -mm. He had a tweet where he was like, things don't really get done in Washington. What matters is that we have a diverse cabinet so that people can see people who look like them doing important, having important jobs <laughs> because they don't actually do anything. And awesome. it was like, yeah. damn, you're just fucking saying it. You're just fucking mm -hmm. saying that we don't care about getting anything done. Well, yeah. And John, John Delaney is inspiring, you know, millions of Americans that also look like Humpty Dumpty uh, to, you know, get into politics. Politics. Yeah, thank God for that. Uh, because if there's one thing America doesn't have enough of, it's round, smooth white men in politics. Yeah, we're I say, hey, I say I say put them on the wall. Put them on the wall. Hey, just like the fable. Ain't that always the case? Um, yeah, well, put them on the wall. We, watch him fall off. Watch some idiot. <laughs> watch some idiot king ask his ask his horses to put an egg back together. A, th a, a thing I've taken issue with since my childhood. <laughs> I've had this yeah. beef with that rhyme. Mm -hmm. what, yeah, that what they who wait who they call to put him back He's together? Again? All the king's horses and all the king's men. It's just like get the horses out of there. They're just yeah. gonna make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard enough to have a bunch of dudes putting an egg together. If they have to deal with horses trying to get involved, that's like doing a group project with like the one kid in mm -hmm. third grade who can't read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, a disaster. No, that was me, and uh, I just uh, I, I it was nice to be involved still. Well. Nice you to be really, included. You really are the horse of the Humpty Dumpty of California I'm, elementary schools. I'm definitely the I'm definitely the horse of video game podcasting. I'm 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 here to fuck shit up. All the all you fucking softy nerds talking about gaming, get the fuck out of here. I'm stepping on the game. I'm stepping <laughs> on the game. Um, you know, we we have a lot of more uh, political uh, thoughts that have been sort of um, running parallel or or maybe certainly perpendicularly uh, colliding uh, with gaming. We're gonna talk talk about that um, sort of as our main story today. But first, we wanted to get into a little bit of game updates just in general. Uh, it is a Christmas episode, so Merry Christmas, even though Christmas has been canceled in the UK for all of our UK listeners. Uh, rise up. Yeah, well, that's what you get for inventing new double COVID. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and you don't just get to eat the double stuffed Oreo without feeling like shit. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you know. 
you sometimes you get sent to bed without uh, dessert and Christmas is kind of the dessert of the year and the UK has had a real misbehaving <laughs> ass year. So yeah. sorry, mm-hmm. uh, d- 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 straight to bed, no dessert. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and, and equally in, in Christmas terms, uh, we have no guest uh, because this Christmas is about being alone. Um, but, you know, I, I'm trying to look at it positively and I'm trying to think, you know, a gift to me, greatest Christmas present I, I could have is to is to have thirty three percent more time to talk on this podcast, <laughs> to not be forced to politely listen to someone else for just an hour. Incredible. Yeah, truly, you, it's really the doors open, and and we're doing a bunch of Griffin topics this week. Really, it is a Christmas <laughs> gift episode for you. Um, so that's really great for you. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. But by the way, the show that we're referring to doing topics on is the Game Boys podcast that you're listening to. Hello, uh, my, my name is Lux. Griffin also and obviously is here. What? Let me say my name. My name is Griffin. Welcome. <laughs> you, you did it. <laughs> You nailed it. I'm, just, I'm glad that you encouraged me to give you runway to pull off that stunt because mm-hmm. um, you yeah. landed it. You said your name like you've been saying it your whole life. Um, Set me up. I'll knock them down. Um, but yeah, we're talking about a bunch of stuff. It's Christmas time. There's, you know, we've been doing cyberpunk stuff. I don't think there's much to say about that. That's changed. No, no, that's actually where I wanted to start. My God. Oh, wait. <laughs> How much shit got fucked up since the last episode, I guess, is the question. It just seems like more and more everyone has turned on the game. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, I'm still, of course, playing on uh, the impossible to access sort of the PT uh, version of Cyberpunk, the PS4 version, like you are as well, Lux. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, the bugs just continue to get better. Like the, I, I'm starting as I get it later into the game and the bugs become just more and more uh present the number one that uh, i have been experiencing is every time i drive cars are just falling from the sky like <laughs> everywhere <laughs> i had that with bodies so did rory i haven't had that with cars yet but i've had that with people i will, I will be driving just down a highway and it'll just be like some sort of raining hell from from the skies of cars just coming down everywhere. Sometimes someone's I, I was walking up to a quest giver who got out of their car and then their car looked like it got kicked by God just into the sunset. <laughs> it was, it, there's there's some car mechanics that are um, wild. Oh, in the yeah. Game. Uh, one thing I've noticed on the motorcycle, because I don't really do cars in the game because I can't drive them without crashing. Um is that sometimes I'll crash into an object and I'll just go straight through one wall of it, like one side of it, crash into the other side, and then be trapped inside of it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That happens to me a lot with dumpsters and uh, medians. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, I, I would say that the, uh, the, the worst bug that I have been experiencing is that a lot of times the elevator buttons just don't work. Have you ever experienced this? I've not experienced that. I have experienced I'll press the button the elevator door will open. I will walk in and there will be no elevator and I will fall to the bottom of the shaft <laughs> <laughs> where I am stuck and have to load my most recent save. The, 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 folks, the, the, the game's content is 15 hours, but it will be a 200 hour game. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, um, but people I, have been really turning on it. People have been starting to declare it worse than a Grand Theft Auto game. There's certainly some strong arguments for that, especially with uh, the driving in the game and the physics of driving that are just dog shit. Um, but uh, I, I, I still have been enjoying it and I have been exploring the side quests and um, the side quests are uh 
varying degrees of interesting but but have you done the have you done the crucifix quest yet oh yeah oh my god probably one of the most fucked up things i've seen in a video game this year uh if not for many years uh essentially there is a side quest where there is a um a unwell mentally ill murderer who was in jail and now the hollywood entertainment media brain dance company has removed him from jail because they want him to record himself being crucified for their viewers it's a little bit of a dark hollywood story and yes you watch this man get crucified and the game never provides you with an option to stop what's happening oh wait no, that's well, maybe we just got different results now it worked because I had options to stop it or at mm, least options didn't. to like walk away or be like, I'm not going to do this. You shouldn't do this and like try to stop him. Doing oh, no, it. no, no. You can say all that stuff. It continues. There's no way, in my opinion, well, at least unless I look it up. But there, like I tried to stop him. Well, I, I shouldn't not. I shouldn't act like an expert on this quest because here's the real truth about how I engage with that particular mission in the game. Is I wanted to get a bunch of cool. Um, I'll go on video. I wanted to get a bunch of Hell cool yeah. fucking cyber implant things because I love that shit. And so I smoked a bunch of weed and was just sort of doing side quests with like half of a brain and mm-hmm. like not fully paying attention. And that one popped up after I'd already done his intro quest. And it was like, just talk to him. And so I was like, I'm just clicking through the conversation, only like half paying attention. And then I kind of like looked up for real paying attention. And I was just crucifying a man. And I was like, <laughs> okay, cyberpunk. <laughs> Like I tune out for 10 minutes and now yeah. I'm just killing this guy. And not only that, but like it's a mixture of like the games, Truly this, quest, this quest being like way, way too intense and unavoidable. I mean, it is a side quest, but once you're on it, it's hard to hard to not see it through. Um, I guess like the original crucifixion, once you get the stake up, somebody's got to get on there. Right. I mean, you put the whole you put you put two pieces of wood together. That took time. Yeah. Um, but the thing about it was, is like you're watching this man get crucified for a Hollywood video um, and the game like lagged out on me. So I was stuck staring at this crucifix guy with no option to stand up and no <laughs> option to continue. So I was just like in this weird glitched out crucifixion <sighs> hell, which, you know, in a lot of ways, it's it, it, it is feels thematic of uh, a lot of people's experience with the game, not just the players, but the people who made this game. I mean, mm-hmm. God, it, what torture it must be to put your like blood, sweat and tears for years of human abuse to to have something that is just like fundamentally like reviled by a lot of people right i mean there was there's a couple of things to say about that right like first is that we don't know how much crunch there was we know there's was at least a year after a no crunch guarantee which is fucking insane we mm-hmm. also know that like in a lot of ways you could very easily characterize this rollout as like a fraud in the sense that like they made it's been reported that they made reviewers sign NDAs about the glitches and technical failures of the game. So a mm-hmm. bunch of people wrote reviews where they couldn't mention the things that would make people not buy the game. Mm-hmm. So everyone bought the game and then they were mad about how no one told them about the reviews, but like they were legally obligated not to because like, I mean, reporters should have signed those contracts and should just reported mm-hmm. on being and should have just reported on being offered the contracts, to be totally frank. But like, yeah. It just it's a huge fucking mess. It's like a giant mega journalism fraudulent. It's just like a huge fucking mess and a huge fucking sort of deception. And the it explains how we ended up with this fucking scenario where this game that like 
was supposed to be like incredible is like there's like a Tuckeria in El, in El Paso, Texas doing memes about how bad the PS4 release for this game <laughs> is. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the scale of this sort of thing that like you said, like people worked really hard and there's a lot of good work in this game and it must suck ass to be those people who then had to like not see their families for a year and work like 90 hour weeks for like months on end. And then the game comes out and fucking gets just like roundly smacked up by everyone who plays it. And let me tell you, they're still working because guess what? They have a whole January, February to attempt to fix this game. Like yeah. they are still their Their job is far from over at this point. Like they cannot put this behind us. They, they have to continue to suffer. Yeah. Um, Speaking of which suffering, is, um, yeah. I will say <laughs> I have been blessed in terms of suffering this year. In mm-hmm. the sense that I actually happen to be one of the, I think, only people to have seen pre-patch cats and also original yeah. PS4 cyberpunk. Yes, exactly. Um, and, you know, that this is the this goes with the theory of uh, of entertainment uh, existing only on the edges of spectrum. Like, wouldn't it be bad if cyberpunk was just working fine, but boring, like in the middle? Like, wouldn't you prefer cyberpunk to be really fucking fucked up or really fucking good like like there is something to that right like that like good entertainment can only come from things that are like intensely good or intensely bad oh yeah or at least that there is if not only there's like a certain bonus point that you get from hitting the end of a spectrum like just being on that edge increases how interesting a thing is just by virtue of how extreme it becomes. This is the one time horseshoe horseshoe theory actually works. And it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's such a wild game. Um, but here's one thing about cyberpunk that I learned about myself and cyberpunk mm. is that I think I was having Stockholm syndrome with this game a little bit um, because for various reasons, uh, I'm playing on different PS4 right now. And it's a PS4 that has my trails of cold steel three save, So and not my cyberpunk save. And I was like, oh, I'm going to boot this up. I'm going to play it. And I was like, oh, this is fun. (laughs) Like, this is what it's like when I'm just playing a game that I really enjoy. And I kind of had forgot. I think I got sucked into how interested in cyberpunk that I was that I kind of like made myself like it a lot more than Mm -hmm. I think I actually did. And then playing a game I actually really liked made me be like, oh, because I do, there's also things I like about cyberpunk, but it is like a lot of the things that aggravate me are a lot clearer to me now, having played, you know, a dumb JRPG with social links for right. like and 10, I, guess I would hours. say is that like Destiny reminds me how much I love the sort of simple formula of a Grand Theft Auto series that like to me, it is fun to like go on missions with like some ruffian and like try to like solve their problem. And like cyberpunk does write at a higher level of uh, of story in my opinion than most of the gta quests you get um the only difference is that sometimes gta works better because it's clearly a parody it's like a comedy it's a satire whereas cyberpunk like has flits of jokes but is not like a a satire in the same way so that like sometimes the jankiness the silliness or the just lack of making sense works better in gta with like the parody senses than like when cyberpunk is like super serious and then someone's car just falls from the heaven and crashes into you 
Um, there's like a little bit of a like a like a it just it would it would make more sense in a GTA for there to be a glitch, which is funny because GTA single player is like almost never glitchy. It's like a very solidly put together open world game. Yeah, I mean, well, GTA is always yeah, GTA has always really hit the nail on the head with this stuff and has figured out a good way to like do everything that I wish Cyberpunk was doing better, where it like is fun and goofy, but it does feel like it's interrogating the genre it's playing in, in a lot of ways. And it's like really smart mm-hmm. about the stories it's telling and how it's telling them and the characters. And cyberpunk just doesn't feel like that. Like cyberpunk feels like every character you meet is the first paragraph of that character from like a Neil Stevenson novel or something, but not like the whole thing or anything. And it's sometimes, just- but some side quests though, do have interesting choices and ideas. So like, I do want to push back a little on that. And I think with these big games, yeah, like you can say that about certain major quest stuff, but because it's such a fucking huge game, there is a variety of degrees of quality of story. Oh, I just like, haven't seen this game have one interesting idea yet. <laughs> um, and I've played um, probably about 30 hours this game and I've not once yeah. been like, huh? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I did like the. I mean, aside from the gruesomeness of it, something about the Hollywood, uh, you know, abusing people with mental illness for profit was uh, was a pretty decent uh, story to me, uh, even though they made me watch a guy get crucified. Um, there's another story about um, politicians trying to uncover um, who, why this politician was murdered um, and kind of went into um, the sort of the pros and cons of like why other political people act and do things. Uh, I don't know. There, Some of that stuff seemed to be to dig a little bit deeper under the surface than like a GTA mission where you and a paparazzi go and fucking kill a celebrity or something. But see, here's the here is the, the thing is that like the GTA kill a paparazzi mission and shit like that, I feel like is implicating the kind of story that they're telling and is even though it's kind of flippant and silly kind of messing with like your expectations or with the ideas of like what kind of like who these characters are and how you feel about them. Mm-hmm. The cyberpunk ones at best. And I don't even think that the, the Joshua, your story really accomplishes this, but like, even if you accept that it does, it's at best just being like, isn't it pretty bad how we abuse mentally ill people, which mm-hmm. is like, to me, not nearly as interesting as talking about how like the, you know, like a, a lot of the GTA stuff can be ter- traced to like, ideas of like how different people find space in like a society that's kind of falling apart and doesn't have room for everybody and like how people carve out their own zone. Cyberpunk doesn't really have that in a meaningful way or anything that's even comparably interesting. Um, Hmm. And to me, it's just sort of like, I don't know. You could think the the main issue seems to me that you are well read on cyberpunk and that you, what you were looking for is like what you got out of the books and like all that stuff. And like, I think you need to like wash no, that I, away. I, I think Cause I do think you are like applying too harsh of a lens to some of these stories. I think you are misunderstanding this. I don't want <laughs> it to be, I don't expect this to be even 20% as interesting to me as like an actual cyberpunk novel. Uh-huh. It's not even gesturing towards the ideas that are in cyberpunk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the closest it comes is that like, Sometimes there's a computer and it's in your head and it's like, it's like, oh my, yeah, exactly. Like that's not anything to me, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're right that my standards are probably a little higher, but I just want them to like get at any kind of like complication or, or sort of interesting interplay between like bodies and minds and machines and all that stuff. And Hmm. like, it doesn't really, there's like gestures towards maybe that'll happen down the road, but probably only in like a matrixy way, which is like fine, but the matrix, you know, like it just isn't I don't know. It's to me, it seems like I guess part of my part of this woman is that like you have eight years on a game that's located in a genre. 
using source material. It's very smart about that genre. And the, the fact that you're playing a game immediately changes the dynamic of how people relate to like the themes of that genre. And so there's mm-hmm. so much to play with. And it's just sort of like punting on all of it to do like GTA, but without the sort of satirical and smart kind of like pokiness of GTA. So it just mm-hmm. feels kind of flat, like in the brain space. I still think it's fun. And I think that they're like, like the quest where you do the brain dance and there's one where you like do a brain dance, get kidnapped. And then you have to like naked crawl through this building full of bad guys to steal your stuff and then sneak into a room to get dressed and then fight your way out is like, mm-hmm. that's like a totally cool quest. It's just, and it's got fun flavor. But to me, that's just sort of like, if that's sort of the most jazzed about your game, I get, come on, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, sort of just doing like die hard missions. Yeah. And that's like the, the most interesting stuff. I mean, there was like, there's other stuff yeah. that I want to look into. And there's something that's kind of intriguing, but to me, it's just like a game that's this big. I shouldn't have to dig around for the cool shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's okay. my main um, thing. Well, uh, you, you know, uh, we'll have to just agree to disagree on that one. Uh, and then uh, I'll have to continue playing and maybe it'll just get worse and worse and I'll start to agree with you. But uh, the next thing that we want to talk about, the next big meaty topic, you know, we we talk a lot about politics and, and gaming uh, on, on this channel, um, but politics and gaming have have be- have become one uh, on a site called Twitch.tv. You aware of this site, Lux? I am deeply and unfortunately aware of this site. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we've me and Lux have obviously been experimenting on on different Twitch channels for a long time now, um, and you know, Twitch started as a place where people would go to watch you play video games, but Twitch has been sort of blossoming in the year, last year or two with uh, other content. Um, they included a, a just chatting category uh, where people go on and just talk to camera. And in just chatting, it can be really anything. It could be a talk show. You could be cooking some food or you can be talking about politics, um, which is where a little streamer by the name of Stephen Bunnell um, or Destiny um, started to make a big name for himself himself on Twitch. Now, for those of you who are deeply, deeply uh, online in a very toxic way, you will know who Destiny is. But most people are unaware of who this streamer is or how big his platform is because it has largely been contained to Twitch. Um, If you are a political junkie uh, that's just permanently on Twitter, you still might not know who Destiny is. Um, But Destiny started to sort of come on a lot of people's radars and what he does with politics on Twitch over the last six months um, with some sort of, I would say, some spicy takes that he's been having uh, online, um, which has sort of brought... um, Twitch and and sort of the politics that's happening to Twitch, it's brought it to sort of um, at least a mainstream awareness that, oh, shit, gamers are talking about politics now. Um, And Destiny has had some some crazy takes uh, and just some crazy interactions uh, over the years. Um, Lux, were you aware of Destiny before I told you who Destiny was? Only a little bit. Mm -hmm. Only sort of in the sense that occasionally I would be online and I'd see a tweet from someone, some gamer person I follow uh, who would be like, Oh, uh, you know, destiny's at it again. Uh, Look at this (laughs) funny, weird, bad tweet or whatever. But now it was never, never enough that like, I was like, Oh, this guy matters to me at all. 
I mean, literally, because I've been sort of doing politics on Twitch myself for seven nights a week uh, over since the quarantine started, I destiny has been like right in, right in my my scopes. Um, and early on, I was blown away that this guy was becoming successful in politics, had one of the biggest platforms in politics um, and sort of like what his goals, takes and vibe were. I just my mind was blown. But the frustrating thing about it was, is that if you're not on Twitch, like no one knows what you're talking about. Like if I was just like, destiny is crazy. Everyone be like, well, who are you talking about? Like we know politics people, but what is this Twitch politics thing? I was very much uh, for the last year, uh, sort of a Aaron Paul and Breaking Bad. How does he keep getting away with it? Like how did destiny for so long have all these crazy takes? Um, but I want to take us back through the history for those who don't know destiny. And maybe I can give Lux here a little primer too. Uh, oh, yeah. on well, some of, uh, you sent me some stuff and I have some opinions now. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and so chime in when you can. But we're going to go through some of uh, Destiny's greatest hits for our audience, because audience, you got to know what these freaks are doing on here. And it's not good. Um, so, yeah, Stephen Bunnell, uh, better known as his online alias Destiny, is an American Twitch streamer and YouTube personality. He was among the first people to commit to full time streaming and received some attention as a pioneer of the emerging industry. Now, uh, Stephen grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, in a conservative Catholic home. Uh, he went to a private Jesuit high school. Uh, and then he went to the University of Nebraska. He worked at a local casino and then was a college dropout where he would uh, become a carpet cleaner for restaurants. Uh, this is where Steven uh, started to get better at video games. Um, he started to uh, train and practice and he became incredibly skilled at the game StarCraft Two, uh, which would launch him out of cleaning carpets at a restaurants to uh, a full time career uh, playing that little StarCraft game. That I don't, I don't know why people like StarCraft. Right. It's so boring. <laughs> nope, it's just. Oh my god, that's incorrect. Um, it's very good to watch. <laughs> um, but. Uh, he was one of the first people to start on the primordial Twitch, which was originally called Justin.tv. A terrible name, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really like specific in a way that sucks. <laughs> Justin.tv. Oh, you can find me streaming on Kyler or something. Like what are these I like just, weird white dude names? <laughs> immediately Justin.tv makes me think of like a charity website Justin Long made where like you can constantly watch him live his life in his house. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so sad. Yeah, it's just um, him feeding goldfish and reading newspapers from 1998. Right. But but anyways, so, you know, Stephen um, took what he was doing in professional StarCraft 2, uh, which was he was fine. He wasn't like that, that good. Um, but he combined that with being one of the first people to pioneer streaming into being sort of one of the mega streamers of, of, of gamer culture and, and to start to grow a fan base of, you know, tens of thousands of people that would tune into him regularly to play StarCraft. These people were not tuning into him talking about politics because he had not talked about politics yet. He was just a StarCraft guy. Um, there is a memorable uh, video clip of uh, Stephen explaining um, sort of uh, how to uh, like like applying uh, 
themes of rape when explaining how to play starcraft and now i don't mean the gamer like oh i just i just you know when gate toxic gamers be like, man i just raped that guy when you killed him or whatever no he's like using like complex rape metaphors when explaining how he strategizes playing starcraft too so you know there's a there's a lot of good so you're telling me that he's like so you're early. telling me that he's a cool guy yeah, and he's sort of yeah. been a cool guy the whole time and sort of used that cool guy energy to sort of build a brand mm-hmm. that presumably yeah, exactly. attracts other very cool guys yes exactly he's he's blowing the horn of gondor and all the other gamer rapists are arriving on the hillside um so he is you know uh he starts just doing uh really well on streaming sites right okay uh just playing starcraft and that's when he starts to share his politics now steven claims that he was a conservative that realized that conservatism is stupid and now he considers himself like a liberal he even considers himself a social democrat and a rural utilitarian is what he describes himself as sounds like a really fun guy a rural utilitarian Um, yes i i i know that we're not supposed to get like super philosophy about this i just want to make clear utilitarianism not a political position (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is not it's it's a it's an evaluative mechanism for like ethical choice it's not a politics mm-hmm. that's oh, like, and don't worry he would love to talk all about that, that with you that's like being like me my politics well gotta say i'm right. catholic like it's well, well he's 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 like to go to that point he is the wikipedia philosopher like everything that he like like learns is like him regurgitating wikipedia articles and sort of building a worldview out of them and and not reading them right because of course that's a crucial (laughs) crucial part okay cool as long as it's clear okay cool we can continue that just like i hate that shit when someone's like but but also be real like you know if you read just a wikipedia article about any political philosophy you're going to have a kindergartner's perspective on it and so like very easy to miss misread and misinterpret right totally it's just that like it to me it seems very crazy like i feel like if you read the wiki on utilitarianism it'll be pretty clear about what it is. It's sort of like the category of thought it belongs to, as opposed to, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's why Mm -hmm. this is frustrating is that like, it's actually, if you, if you look at it, it's been edited recently by me to say that it's actually based in poggers. It's just like a three, (laughs) three word, three word description. One of the shortest articles I've seen. Um, But yeah, so Steven, Steven, starts to do politics. He starts to share his politics, his liberal views of politics, and his big claim to fame is de-radicalizing gamers. So essentially, you know, gamers are, are you know, we say to, we, we say it here on the show all the time, they're filth, they're trash, mm-hmm. they are uh, they are some of the worst people, um, but there is there is something in there that is worth saving still, like anyone. Um, but he's <laughs> I just he's immediately started I just immediately what? thought of um do you remember this is really dark, but do you remember the in the Native American Indian schools that the Bureau of Land Management ma- made where they would train native people to act more like white people? Uh, no. Okay, well that's a thing that happened, and their slogan was kill the savage, <laughs> save the man. And I feel like that's sort of what Destiny is trying to do is kill the gamer, save the man with, wow. with yeah. these people. Sorry, it's a dark, uh-huh. dark comparison, but it just popped right in my head. 
I mean, spiritually, these are those are very similar policies because <laughs> what Stephen does e- equally and what destructive, Stephen, <laughs> equally destructive. Yes. Um, uh, what Stephen does, though, is, is is he he got big for claiming that he could de-radicalize gamers from the right wing, you know, wormholes that they're on and bring them to the quote unquote left side of the spectrum. So for a while, um, leftists didn't really know who he was, but they thought that, OK, well, this is the biggest politics guy on Twitch. And he spent most of his time uh, debating people like uh, John, the John, John Tron, the YouTuber, you know, who's got millions of subscribers on him being like a racist or like. So he would get into these sort of alt right debate large streams where like he would literally debate uh, fucking, um, you know, uh, Sargon of Akkad or that he would debate, um, you know, all these weird Pepe fucking like alt right Nazi debate lords. And 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 what I want to do say uh, probably the only positive thing I'll say about Destiny is that he is actually incredibly good at debating. Now all of his ideas are stupid, but as we all know, debates aren't really about the content; they are about emotionally winning a battle. That is what like debates are, and and Destiny has sort of trained in that for years, so that. Even when Destiny is wrong on a topic, it often does not feel like he is wrong because he is winning the energy of the debate. Because let's be honest, most people are actually pretty bad at debating, right? Uh, yes, I talk about it all the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- these YouTube debates, they're they are spectacle. They're sort of these like wrestling matches is how I would describe them a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there's not there isn't really a lot to be gained except like people getting more followers and clout from it and, and being able to have like the wildest, loudest take on something. Um, So Destiny spent a lot of time, uh, you know, de-radicalizing people. Um, after the YouTuber Caleb Kane turned away from the alt-right, he credited Bunnell and also Natalie Wynn from ContraPoints. Um, and, you know, the New York Times has written about him. This guy, man, this guy was about to be the Hassan Piker, know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, uh, and then Hassan came on the scene. Uh, for most people who pay any attention to politics online or Twitch, Hassan Piker is the biggest Twitch streamer on Twitch. He has like 30,000 people watch him every day for like 12 hours. It's fucking insane uh, and seems mentally destructive for Hassan. Uh, but Hassan comes on the scene and Steven takes him under his wing. Steven's like, look, this is where you can do politics now and sort of teaches Hassan, the most popular streamer now, how to do politics on Twitch. And that's when things start to crumble for destiny because with Hassan comes actual leftist politics on Twitch (laughs) and with Hassan brings like actual socialists and actual communists onto Twitch to hear the takes that destiny has. And that's when things really start to fall apart for destiny. Yeah. Well, okay. So this gets to one of my things about politics on Twitch and a thing about destiny in particular is, Mm -hmm. and I've said this to you a bunch of times, um, I think when people talk about politics without a theory of history, by which I mean in accounting for how and why things have become the way they are, that is consistent and sort of explicable and and testable and falsifiable, Mm -hmm. um, then they're just lying (laughs) Um, (laughs) is all they're doing. They're just making things up Um, because you can't just if just listing events as though they happen randomly without cause is not doing history or doing politics or doing anything. Um, and reacting to each one is isolated from each other and not part of a larger network of events is idiot shit. Um, mm-hmm. And so Destiny, from what I watched, is extremely one of these people who just sort of is like, like he'll p- position, take positions that are mutually 
like conflicting or are even like directly opposed in different videos because he's reacting to the specific content of the art discussion he's having at that moment. So there's not a consistent theory of like X is bad because Y in all cases or mm-hmm. uh, capital extracts labor to an extent that causes violence in all cases. Like so there's no theory like that applies in all cases or would theoretically be applied in all cases. And instead it's just random stuff from case to case. So it's just like incoherent nonsense to me. And I think that there's a lot mm-hmm. of people here describing socialists and communists on Twitch who got into politics and read, you know, Marx, Adorno, Engels, like these people who talk about theories of history and who care about this shit. And so yeah, as soon as they I, get on Twitch, they hear Destiny talking, doing this bullshit. And immediately the fucking it doesn't pass the smell test. <laughs> I would like to also say uh, in, in in defense of uh, not in defense of Destiny, but just as a side note, there's a lot of leftist streamers that also have no fucking clue what they're talking about either. Totally. <laughs> uh, th- things have gotten things have gotten pretty wet and wild over there. There's like three people that I think know yeah. what they're well, talking about. Well, one of my favorite things is so you got people who are. No, like are have thoughts on the thing they're talking about. Don't have a theory of history. You also see a lot of people who have a theory of history, but don't have specific thoughts about the thing they're talking about. And you see mm-hmm. that a lot on Twitch, too, where every event can be explained specifically in the exact same terms every time. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, there are differences. You have to interpret those differences through the lens of your theory. But like, obviously, there are like every event that ever happens has variables. And so you get two ends of this problem on Twitch uh, a lot of the time. I, and, and I also say in, in defense of people who haven't read a book like me is, is that a big part of Choom Room in my channel is trying to get people who are less politically engaged, who didn't get a philosophy major or an English major um, to be able to feel like they are allowed to talk about politics too, because everyone should think and talk about politics. You shouldn't need a college degree in order to like safely talk about it. But that does mean that like, with that, you need to be open to new ideas and smarter people and like having larger discussions rather than like adamant, like f- drawing lines in the sand over a Wikipedia article you read. Yeah, totally. Like, and, and I think that's the balance you have to strike with this shit because you're way smarter than me about all this <laughs> shit. But like that doesn't mean that I, I shouldn't be, uh, no, you know, well, ch- chumif- chumpilling people left and right. Well, part of the reason why chumpilling people seems to have taken a little bit, and I think the reason it works and, and is somewhat functional is that. You do have, well, it's not like fleshed out in a piece of paper. There's like an operating theory of history. Like a lot of the stuff you talk about on the show is wealth interests and power interests, like isolated from the suffering of like individual working class people making decisions on working class people's behalf being a problematic framework and like how that's affected things throughout. We've talked about in that context, like literally everything that's happened since like January. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there is like a consistent explanation for like the patterns of behavior and stuff that you talk about. So that's like why it works. It's accessible because you aren't couching everything in super big framing and super huge words like superstructure or theory of history or whatever. Um, But you are still doing that shit and that's good. The problem is you get destiny who is ostensibly Mm -hmm. doing that shit, but is not. You got to couch it in Omega lulls and pog champs. But uh, like so destiny starts to have um, competition with leftist streamers. And, you know, the one thing that people can't handle that fries people's brains is people to the left of them. I've been seeing that happen to everyone. I've been seeing it happen to all these like neolib people, like their brains, like they go into full frenzy mode when they feel like someone is to the left of them or someone has a purer politics than them or something like that. Like they cannot handle it um, because they in their minds are the farthest of a good guy you could go without being irrational. So destiny starts to attack the left and attack socialists and communists. 
and attend, and you know, in, in general, just attack the whole left side of the spectrum. And he sort of shifts his focus from just owning alt writers to attacking the left, which you can see actually in all sorts of like mainstream uh, media and, and talking points, too, is that it's very, very easy to say how Republicans are bad and stupid. It's so easy. It's like saying water is wet. It's much, much harder to have like an intellectually uh, focused and like tr like true perspective on the left. Like that seems to be where people like have a lot more trouble. Yeah. I mean, I think it's because so much of what the left does and is has been characterized by the center and right for like a lot of the past mm -hmm. hundred years of American history. And so there's this fighting, there's this position where people have to like really explain a lot of stuff and mm -hmm. no one ever wants to hear anyone explain a lot of stuff. That's like the, the number one American value is like not mm -hmm. reading the manual. Um, yeah, totally. People and so, say Stalin and I'm like, good, let's do it again. I'm not even sure what that is. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that you get you get a lot of people who are really resistant to the left and are really resistant to being out lefted because like they're not totally mm -hmm. sure what the terms of engagement are. Cause they just haven't even done like the 10 minutes of work you'd have to do. Exactly. So they get triggered, but, um, so, uh, let's get into some of the fun stuff. Uh, so destiny starts to have a breakdown and he starts to, uh, attack the, uh, the radical left, uh, on all sorts of different takes. Uh, one of the big takes from about a year and a half ago, uh, was that destiny, uh, insisted that he is allowed to use the N word. Uh, now he stipulates, uh, that he, um, he only says it in private, but that there should be no reason for him to use the N word, like whenever, like when he wants, like in a, in a private setting or whatever. I agree with that, whatever you want, uh, agree or disagree to whatever that is. But he didn't just like offhandedly say that once he went on like a fucking news spread going on like debates up and down Twitch and eventually even uh, like debating a co-host of his on a podcast who is black, who for three hours begged him, begged him to reconsider his position uh, and for destiny to just essentially be like, no, uh, well, meh, meh. like uh, he basically. And then the his black co-host, Trihex, uh, quit the podcast permanently because of it. Um, so, yeah, it, it's like he not only will stake out a claim uh, on a rancid take, but he will then parade that take like up and down YouTube to these people who he supposedly had just de-radicalized. He's actually just radicalized them again, but just to be sycophants for himself. And I think that's the, the most important part about where Destiny has like moved these alt writers to. It's not the left. It's to a Destiny discord. And that is it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. This is an important thing is that like people talk about death of the author and that shit matters for like if you're doing literary thematic analysis, but also like people write and say shit because they want to write and say the shit they're writing and saying. Right. Mm -hmm. And so whether or not you agree that he can say the N word in private. Uh, the prevalent question here is that's irrelevant. The relevant question is like, why does he want to do it so bad? Right. Yes, exactly. Why, why is and that? And, 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 and like people don't. And like the thing about it is, is like he he rarely, rarely, rarely gets challenged by smart motherfucking people like us. He only gets challenged with his ideas by people that are equally as stupid as him. Like and most of these Twitch streamers either are dumber than him 
or they are scared of how big his platform is and want his viewers to like them so that they can grow too. So Destiny has been able to sort of be sheltered by the size of his platform on Twitch for a very long time. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and so you wonder, you wonder, like I said at the beginning, like when he does these takes, I, I'm, I'm like Aaron Paul in Breaking Bad. How does he keep getting away with this and meme? But like the thing is, is that he is not only aided by the people who agree with him, but by the people who disagree with him, because everything on Twitch is a clout grift game. You are trying to trying to get on that panel with destiny. You're like, to, if you are a, a low politics streamer averaging 50 viewers and you get destiny to come debate you about the N word and there's nothing productive that comes out of it, but you still get 500 new followers. That is the system that happens on Twitch that it enables people like this to keep getting away with it. Right. I mean, that's, and that's like true of so much social media shit is that like, at a certain point, people reach a size where they're insulated from like meaningful resistance on their platform. And mm -hmm. so like, for instance, there's a lot of people like now Destiny is showing up on my Twitter and stuff. Right. And there's and a, that's because he tried to go IRL, which we'll get to. But yeah, right. But for whatever reason, it's showing up. And now it does seem like it's having meaningful effect on him because he's no longer playing on his home court of Twitch. Yes. Um, and. So that's one of the that's one of the interesting social media issues is that there are certain people who are stars in a certain social media framework, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, whatever, who, because of their following specifically on that platform, are very difficult to engage in that platform because they're super insulated by a wall of 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 fucking little Zombo boys and girls of, 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 of yeah, of Omega lols and feels good mans like seriously. And it, 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 it's almost like you can't you can't reach them because they are speaking a different language than, than the rest of us, because Twitch has developed its own culture, con context and like keywords like that, like seem like a just completely separate language that most people just don't even know how to engage with. Um, but so so let's for some other hits, they had the big N word debacle. Uh, there was a debacle where uh, there was private logs of him uh, sharing uh sharing like photos of underage girls to other people because you know he was like a he was a starcraft streamer so he would get like underage girls like sending him nudes and then he would share them with his friends uh chat logs from that got spread out very cool guy um and then there was the blm protests um okay and the blm protest happened this summer and this is really where Destiny sort of flew too close to the sun with these rancid ass fucking takes. And the take that he flew too close with was literally, I think he was like, the clip is literally him like watching the trailer to Cyberpunk, which is very funny to me. Uh, but he's watching the trailer to Cyberpunk and he's complaining about the riots happening during BLM. Um, and he says the lines, uh, you know, at this point, I think that these, uh, I think these MAGA guys should just mow down protesters. They should get uh, their guns and come and mow down these protesters because the riots have to stop. They are hurting Biden's chances of becoming president. And we need the MAGA guys to mow down these protesters so Biden can be president. So, OK, there are a couple things here. The one there's OK, we start with the one that you're just reacting to initially, which is the obvious sort of like inside out causal logic that he's trying to like make dance here of like we have to do is instigate action, radical terrorist actions by fascists to make sure that progressive protesters stay off the streets so that our centrist candidate can win. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, truly 
nonsense gymnastics. But like the bigger thing here is like this I'm is actually that's a star crush strategy, actually. I think. Yeah, the nonsense gymnastic. Yeah, you hear about it a lot <laughs> um, on GSL streams. Um <laughs> the it's a Prodos thing. Um the the thing though that, that's more interesting to me here is that like this feels very I, to go back to the theory of history thing, this feels very gamery politics to me because to me it feels like a lot of these gamers turn politics people, because they have no theory of history, don't really understand or think about how things happen in politics, in like the history mm-hmm. of events or in future events, whatever. So to him, it's like, oh, we have a new president. There's someone new clicking the mouse and entering commands on the keyboard of like what happens. Mm-hmm. So things are going to get better. There's a strong argument, as we've seen today, with Joe Biden's uh, campaign saying they're not going to overturn Trump's immigration policies on day one, after all, Mm -hmm. and that it will instead take a while, that perhaps public pressure actually means something. But this dude's internalized, A, there's like president equals player at the mouse mentality, and B, fucking video game shit where like, yeah, in video games, like property is more important than the lives of people you don't know because they're just video game characters. But in real life, it's fucking nuts to say that it's more important for MAGA people to run over protesters than it is for them to, you know, set a target on fire right and to me this is something that like this is something this is a statement that probably could only be said or or like twitch is the perfect place for this statement to be said and i don't mean that in a good way i mean that like stuff like this can happen on twitch because when you have a group of people it's watching you every single night i mean they are your parasocial sycophant fans and the stuff that you can say to your fans is like way different than you would say to like an audience of enemies or something like that right or something that you would say in a debate and the nature of twitch is that these guys they get on twitch for like 10 11 hours a day they eat twice on stream um and they basically every word that comes out of their mouth whether they've thought about it or not like comes out on twitch so like do i think that destiny would like go to like multiple debates like sanctioned like live debates and say that like his strategy would be to like kill the protesters no but like he innately probably harbors like some of those feelings against the protesters and when you're on twitch for 10 hours it comes out so it's like you know that that that's why it seems like it's like oh like this kind of stuff can really like expose people on twitch so anyways okay we, we there's, there's just like this, there's these this, this is a thing that happens with internet politics people a lot which is that like they want to think that they are the heroes, but they don't want to actually get involved with doing things outside of sort of commenting on stuff. And so mm-hmm. it's very important to them that things like protesting and direct action actually are bad because right. if they were good, then they couldn't mm-hmm. be the good guy heroes of the story because they're not doing it. Right. Um, um, and speaking of good guys and doing stuff in real life. So that leads us directly to the Georgia debacle with destiny. So destiny says this comment about BLM and Twitch departners him. It's like, boom, right there. That's like 300 grand a year. He was making like gone, gone. He has to switch to YouTube. He's still allowed to stream on Twitch, but uh, you know, Twitch is really the community where most people go for live streaming content right now. So he's doing much smaller numbers on YouTube, um, but he still has a, a, a giant army. I would say of like 8,000 sycophant fans that like tune in every night, like eight to 10,000, but split between YouTube and Twitch. But it's very clear that Destiny saw sort of the way the wind was blowing and he knew he had fucked up with saying this awful, awful thing that he definitely 100% believes. Um, 
And so he said, listen, I need to start getting some good press for myself again. I need to sort of prove my liberal bona fides once again so people don't think that I'm actually this fucking gross, just sort of like fascist libertarian psychopath. Um, And so he decided to go to Georgia for, of course, folks, the John Ossoff, Warnock, Senate runoffs. And his plan was to go there, bring his considerable platform uh, and try to get him and his fans to do positive politics IRL. They go to Georgia and they immediately ask for uh, the DSA in Georgia to give them the like the apps and the sort of sophisticated voting tracking structures that the DSA has built, um, essentially like free of like free of charge, not giving any donation to the DSA. And they also like wanted to set up an event where like Destiny like played Minecraft in front of an audience. <laughs> like like they <laughs> like that was like their big thing. And the DSA goes, we don't know who you are. And then after they Google him for 10 minutes, they go, oh, yeah, we're definitely not working with you now because you literally said months ago that protesters should be mowed down. So thanks, but no thanks. Um, So Destiny gets rejected IRL the first time he tries to do IRL politics for his toxic fan base and his toxic views and his fans descend upon the Georgia DSA. Uh, They like threaten, harass uh, and and, and mock just these volunteers to the DSA for weeks. And and it's so funny because it's like this is what you grew dude like like you you keep on feeling like you're doing something good because you're insulated on this like fake wwe show of twitch but the second that you fucking log off and step into the real world with these fucking takes and these fucking fans you get wrecked dude And And, and so it's like the first time we've ever gotten to see sort of the fantasy meet IRL with these politics gamer streamers for the first time. And it has put him not only um, uh, not only embarrassed him on Twitch, but this is the first time because he went IRL that he is now a, a mainstay name in terms of regular politics, Twitter, like you're hearing about him right. now. And this is like this is hero complex bullshit, right? Because I'm sure, I mean, I, I work with the Austin DSA and I've helped out with other DSA chapters as well. And like, I cannot imagine if the DSA was committed to canvassing for Warnock and, uh, and Ossoff and, you know, set, like uh, fucking Destiny and like a thousand of his people showed up and they were like, hey, we will be at your canvas on Saturday. Give us the paperwork. We'll be knocking on doors. Give us a script. We're out there listening to you just trying to help out and win this election. Mm-hmm. A million percent. They would be like, hell yeah. Or they'd be like, oh, we can't give you all of you stuff because we don't have that much stuff. But like some of you guys, please come out or like we'll make more next time. There's short notes, whatever. They'd absolutely take that but showing up and being like give us all your tools we're in charge this is our operation and also let me just play video games for a crowd motherfucker no one gives a shit to me that's the least audacious part to me it's like this dude shows up who's never done a second of fucking organizing in his life i know i agree with you at the first parts yeah that's fucking yeah you're i mean you're right but like i'm still mad like i'm still mad you're right that's audacious the whole thing is fucking audacious he like thinks he's a star who matters to all these people and it's like of course i don't want to watch him play video games that's fucking psychotic and of course yeah, are like, we supposed to be like going out and knocking on doors instead of fucking? Yeah, and then of <laughs> course they're Minecraft. not. And then of course they're not going to like let you be king of canvassing. You have no idea what you're doing. And why? And and why would they give all of their information to a stranger who, after ten minutes of googling, has some of the most rancid fucking garbage takes? Yeah, like it. It just on every level, it seemed like Georgia DSA like made the right decision. Um, and that like uh, listen, like I I do agree that there should be 
like leftist solidarity that like we sh- that like you know communists shouldn't be fighting socialists and tankies and everything in between um but destiny is not a fucking leftist also he is a psycho ego super id ego person um that is also just like a wikipedia loser it's also not solidarity if for someone to show up and say, I'm in charge of your shit now, and then you just roll over and say, yes, that's not mm-hmm. showing solidarity. Showing solidarity the- is saying, no, we're doing this. We live here. You work with us to do the thing that we've been working on for a long time. You just showed up and then provide mm-hmm. them the resources to do that. It's not being like your king now. That's not what that means. Yes. And I'd also like to say that there that that, that the one of the problems with Destiny is also and I want to turn it away from Destiny for a second. The problem is also the left on Twitch because the left on Twitch, I'm sorry. Like if you haven't been able to like make a fool of Destiny in the years he's been on here, you are a useless public speaker as a leftist. You are fucking useless because this guy is comically bad. And the fact that like hundreds of different little leftist streamers have tried to go up against him and failed against a guy who is honestly not even that difficult to ridicule to show how stupid he is, how little thought he puts into his political takes. The fact that like none of these guys have been able to take him down until Jack Allison on Twitter started bullying him, like shows that like the leftist content creators that have been trying to fight against him are weak, useless, and terrible at explaining why leftism is better. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, God damn. It's, it's a real mess. Um, but anyways, uh, so yeah, he, he has been, he's been, now that he's IRL, he's been getting like way, way more and more bullied. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where he goes next, but like, this is not the end of can we, can the you, bigger picture outside of Destiny. What? Can we talk about the Jack Allison? Can you break down the Jack Allison thing for me really quick? I know you're trying to wrap yeah, this up because yeah, yeah, we're yeah. pushing an hour, but I do want to know about this. Okay. So essentially Jack Allison is, uh, I would call him one of the good bullies of the left. Yeah, absolutely. he finds awful. He finds awful people and he like ruins their lives in a way that many people find distasteful. I think um, it's but cool. I think, I think it is cool and hilarious. Uh, Jack Allison really blew up for taking down the horse whisperer account. Um, horse whisperer is a garbage, garbage person. They are an anonymous neolib account um, that is sort of yes, yes, like yes, queen standing. Uh, the Democratic establishment for a very long time and go and was an incredibly anti-left account. Uh, and it was anonymous because the guy who ran it was like a fucking uh, invest. Like he, he was a fucking guy was from a, like Exxon. No, he was a med- and like he'd taken money from Exxon. He's like a consultant class guy for like Exxon and he's I think a freak. he did uh, yeah. pharma stuff. Total freak. No, he had he had paws in like in like the top three worst things you could do as a person. <laughs> yeah, cool guy. Um, <laughs> And, and so like Jack found that guy and ruined his life for like a year. And then Jack came upon uh, Destiny because, you know, Destiny did this Georgia thing. And it was the first time that like people on Twitter f- could figure out who the fuck this guy was. Uh, so, yeah. So Jack pretty much uh, starts to uh, berate Destiny and get Destiny to bring him onto his streams where he calls Destiny just a pedophile for hours, a groomer. Uh, rightfully so, too. Uh, after all these, uh, you know, weird instances of him sharing pictures of underage girls. Um 
you know, the fact that, you know, he's, he, he started, uh, he like he, the person he's dating now was like, you know, 19 when he, when she like met him, that's not pedophile or groomer. And I'm not like an age range Twitter guy, but listen, if you're, if you're getting caught sharing underage girl nudes, and then you start dating women that, that were just freshly 18, there's, that raises some fucking eyebrows for me. That's all I'll say there that put, that's the sus supply in, um, but Jack Allison like has just started to ruin this guy's life. And, and I, like I said earlier, when I was critiquing lefty streamers on Twitch, like Jack Allison is not that smart. Like he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't even know that much, but like uh, he'd not, he's not like exactly that well educated in like leftist, like philosophy or anything, but he just like can literally just have the chutzpah to be like, you are a fucking idiot loser. And everything you say is like fucking childish. Um, and, and I think that sometimes the left needs to stop uh, like attacking things on like or like the left needs more than just the the sort of the the weapons of philosophy and like they need the weapons of like heart and emotion on these yeah, platforms well, so too. This is all I'll tap into some of my years and years of debate experience. You'd often run into debaters who are like destiny, who like knew stuff and were like pretty good at explaining the stuff that they knew. If they didn't know it very deeply, it would basically just win debates by sort of like confidently repeating themselves yes. sufficiently. Um, we would house people like that regularly because the easiest way to beat those people is just to make fun of them for being stupid. Yes. And it's just like poke holes in their argument and make fun of them for not having good responses. And they get flustered and upset and then look like giant assholes. And then the whole mm. like confident, smart guy facade falls away instantly. And Jack Allison is incredibly good at doing that to people. And mm -hmm. so you don't have to be like a super smart, well-read guy. Like you were saying, like Jack Allison, I mean, he, I think he is a very smart dude. Uh, he comes across like a very bright guy, but he's, mostly very funny and very clever and very quick. And he can just eviscerate this dude in like little tweets and like little threads that just are humiliating for this guy. And destiny doesn't have the, like doesn't have the intellectual wherewithal to like really have the courage of his convictions, nor does he have the, like for like the, the charisma to like hold up in the face of just being humiliated. Yes. And so mm -hmm. it's very easy to deal with people like this. Yes. And, and on top of that, that, that's why it goes back to it's like it's like, how has this guy gotten away with it for this fucking long being like this big of a loser? And, and it's just simply because like, yeah, we we need it's cool to be like I love and I respect all of these like these like Marxist and communist channels popping up on Twitch. Like that's cool stuff. And if that stuff gives you the information and tools to want to be more active in, in your life politically, I think that is positive, but often like, it's creating these kind of like softy rooms where everyone is just like agreeing with each other. And then they go up against someone like destiny and they get just absolutely crushed. Um, we need more, real jive talking, you know, just, we need fucking guys who'd be like, no, this guy is lame as shit. Yeah. Uh, and I've like been like dying to do what Jack Allison has been doing to destiny since I've discovered destiny. I just like did not have a big enough platform right. to do it. And, and I didn't want to blow. I didn't like want to make my whole career on being like the guy trying to like cancel destiny or to something totally. like that. But I actually, part of the reason I think you got something really important here. Part of the reason Jack Allison's so good is Okay, so to rewind, a couple of weeks ago, or like a week ago, there was like the hashtag Mara Lardass trend thing where everyone mm -hmm. was calling Donald Trump fat all the time. Um, 
And a lot of people are like, that's not cool. It's fat, negative, fat phobic. And that's true. And it, it was a shitty thing. But there was the smart element there that did exist was that like Donald Trump's whole thing is projecting this like masculine power thing. And that just telling him he's a schlubby little fucking dork who is about as powerful sort of as a person as like my doo-doos. Like there is something there that means something and is effective. And so the left mm. does have to learn that like these people are fragile little shits and you should be mean to them. You can be mean yes. to them in ways that don't publicly hurt other people in the movement. Like you shouldn't do it in a fat phobic way. You shouldn't do it in a racist way. You shouldn't do it in a neighbor's right. way, but you can do what fucking Jack Allison's doing, which is just like making this dude look like an idiot and publicly calling him dumb and like going, you know, mm. like going at him directly where he lives. And that is something that the left and I mean, I'm pro doing it. I literally well, on this podcast tweeted, eat my shit, Greg Abbott, along with <laughs> an article about how Austin is one of the safest cities in America. I'm perfectly happy. And I think with the, that we should be doing more of it. Like, I understand the like dirtbag left problem that people were mad about. And I know that there is something to that, that people who just are purely. And I'm sorry, but pe- that people, you mean like what? Three percent of the blue check marks or whatever. Like there, this was, a, mean, it, was a, it was a bigger issue. The, the, it had there's. There is a set of leftists who think their main job is just to yell bad things at people. That's not the whole job. Sure. There's like a thousand Twitter accounts that like are anti-identity politics or something. That is not a real like, not movement. What, that's not even what I mean. I just mean that there's a lot of people who think that the labor of, of, of being the left is like yelling mean things at people you don't like on Twitter by itself. Jack Allison mm-hmm. rules because Jack Allison canvassed for Bernie, helped do organizing for Nithya also shits on these people. Like, you know what I mean? It's that it takes one part of your tool set. It takes all of that shit to make the movement work. It's not bad that there are people who just shit on stuff. Those people should just also be canvassing. It's not bad that there are people who are canvassing all the time. They maybe should also send some mean tweets to their governor. Like there's that, that these things are all viable tactics and that it's important because these people who are like these demagogue forces are fucking bullies in the sense of like nineties of the like nineties after school special videos where like mm-hmm. they can't take pushback. They never can. Like we've seen yeah. it with like every single one of them. When you push back on these people at all, they become like whiny little babies. And so like mm-hmm. having that force within the movement is valuable. Um, yeah. It's good to be <laughs> able to call, call Donald Trump a big dumb gravy boy or to call destiny like a sack of shit. Like that is that's good to do. Mm-hmm. But if all you're doing is being like a reply guy on Twitter, then that is not That's, nearly enough. Yeah, and then, then you're, you're just doing it for you. It's like you are just letting out a release as opposed to, uh, you know, doing actual politics. Right. There's a productive um, version, unproductive version for sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like for I feel like you got to do something in real life and then you get to earn the tweet. Uh, but like, so that's gaming and that's politics in, 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 I guess in a larger sense, outside of destiny, outside of all everything that we just mentioned, Lux, it does seem to me like moments like this are where gamer personalities become like inexplicably politicized, like in a way that we have never seen before that like gamers our politics and politics is gaming now uh, because like if we look at where the majority of like the new uh, up and coming modern discourse is it is on streams like Hassan Pikers uh, it's on streams like live posting like it's it's on these places and this is clearly like the future of the thing a little creepy that like the future of po- political discussion is an Amazon company not exactly stoked on that um, but this is the future and it goes to show that hey we're just a couple years away from Senator Keemstar I swear to fucking God like this is where this shit is going guys mark my fucking words we're gonna have like the Keemstar Senator the Congress 
Congressman Jake Paul and the fucking, you know, Nico Lull uh, as for Speaker of the House. Like, like we are going to be getting there because gaming not only became the monolithic culture this year because of the pandemic, but with technology and Twitch, it is starting to become like the super culture. And because of that, politics is getting sucked into it and that it's not enough for you to just be XQC Overwatch Pro. People are going to want to know your political opinion now and you're going to have to defend it. And that's going to lead to gamers having political takes, which nine times out of 10 are going to be like uninformed, reactionary and crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a weird thing where a thing has occurred, like Twitch streaming in particular, that reaches to a group of voters or people who maybe aren't an average voters. And we've seen that activating non-voters is a really big way that you can win an election. You're not supposed to win. Hi, Donald Trump. Um, and so suddenly the stakes of how to talk to gamers are like super real. And now there's <laughs> yeah. and now there's like a way to do it. And so like there's suddenly like you're saying this kind of <sighs> gold rush to like figure out how to turn that into a tool either for individual profit or for movement benefits or whatever. And yeah. it's a really interesting time because it's like, I feel like it's kind of like movies in the seventies where you were seeing like a lot of like anti-war anti-government movies. And you were also seeing like dirty, hairy fucking trust the cops. Let's do this. Kill the criminals movies that were like mm -hmm. diametrically opposed, but there were people yes. on both sides of the aisle trying to like espouse a specific ideology, whether that was Nixonian law and order or like anti-Nixon sort of progressive shit through media. And they were super starkly divided. And I think we're going to start to see something like that on Twitch as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, and if I could just, you know, be selfish and talk for a second is about my own thing is like, that's like, I saw the landscape of Twitch. I saw like Hassan, but then I saw like the shitty stuff happening with destiny and people like him. And then I saw sort of the, um, you know, I love Marx and, 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 and like tenets of communism and stuff, but like what I call like the, the Marxist jerk off hour where like, it's literally just only Marxists talking to each other. And I was like, well, that's not helpful either. Cause all those people are already into that stuff. Right. And so like, I, I think it's important to bring gamers and bring people on Twitch into leftist politics. Um, but in a way that is more universal uh, and just generally fucking less cringe. Right. It's super uh, important to remember <laughs> that, the, that when Marx, like I, I know we we're just talking about Marx shit being silly, but this is relevant that Marx wrote the communist manifesto specifically not for people who'd gone to college. Right. Like the, yes, the way that so important. the way that Holy book is shit. written is specifically not for, enough people say that yeah, it's specifically for people who did not have like a top end education. That's how yes. that book was written. That's why everyone should read it. That's why it's the easiest marks to read in the world. That's why it is all the fucking baller quotes about your chains and throwing them off and opiates of the masses or whatever. That's it was to, designed to be accessible. Right. That was mm -hmm. what the Communist Manifesto was. And I think people forget that because they just think about like capital and the young Hegelians and all that shit. But like the mm -hmm. main thing was to be accessible is to make it easy to get. And that's something that the left has sort of lost in a lot of ways is that you do have these Marx jack off hours, which suck because like the rights argument of what leftist theory is, is super wrong with the way they characterize it is just a bunch of people explaining to each other why Marx is good. But leftist theory mm -hmm. really has been like, how can we take Marx's ideas and change them and make them different? Cause they were inadequate at the time and that's good. Right. But one thing that's been lost is that the main fucking text was designed to be read by like dock workers. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, and, and and listen, I'll, I'll take one step further. Like what we have to do now in 2020 and beyond 
is get such a massive amount of people behind us and on our side, not just in America, but internationally workers, labor movements working together to fight what's coming because and guess what? Those people aren't going to all have read the fucking book. Yeah. Okay. And we need to find a way to get people out on the street and on our side without reading a fucking book. And I'm sorry, like everyone should read the book, but they're not going to. So this is a moot point. Uh, and so like, that's, I think like how I feel about a lot of this stuff um, and gaming and politics and everything in general. Uh, it's all quite fun. And you, what you do say, and I guess it's a good, great place to end it is, yeah, what we are in right now is the gold rush period of Twitch politics. It is 100% the gold rush period. Um, and guess what? You don't get rich by digging the gold. You get rich by selling the shovel and you can get shovels at twitch.tv slash room. <laughs> Beautifully done. Um, and I guess I'll, I have some shovels to sell. Um, the newest PWR party world wrestling guide in second saga. Olive guide in is on twitch.tv slash party world wrestling and will be on the YouTube channel soon. There's also a replay of it on Chum where Griffin and I talk about it as it's happening. So you can check either of those out. I was just on new Tane celery man stream to do the Jack off hall of fame for which I nominated flash Gordon. Um, and that was a super fun stream. It was a, it was a blast. Uh, hopefully you guys can check uh, yeah, that out. I endorse, I endorse nude Tane T A Y N E celery man as well. Uh, especially because they've been sending me some fat, fat raids. Yeah. Thank it, you. It, Nude they, Well, I think it works out great. Cause I think they stream, on your schedule, but East Coast time. So they wrap up when Ooh. you start pretty much every time. Incredible stuff. Well, the, the Chum is the Chum, the Chum has been growing very powerful. I'm getting scared. I, I, I'm guys. Listen to me now again and timestamp this. I am five and a half months away from being canceled. The t- so have fun now. The the Chum, uh, the Chum and like NAS nerd crossover alliance that has sprung up with Rowdy and New Tane and H Dub is like very powerful for you. And that's very good. We'd love to see it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's basically it. Uh, check those things out. They're very, very dope. Um, oh, and uh, there's I think it's still up. There's the Wizworld live replay of uh, me and Luigi Primo on that show, which I got to say, one of the funniest fucking things I've ever fucking seen was Luigi Primo going wild on that show. Um, we got to get him on Chum or something, maybe before next guy then to, to do some promo shit, because absolutely he went. You got to check it out. He went fucking berserk. He ru- like every- he ruined the show in a lot of ways. <laughs> like no one else could talk because he was just monologuing hilariously and no one could stop laughing. And it was sort of became the Luigi Primo monologue hour. Awesome. Which we love awesome. To see. Uh, well, hey, guys, that, w- that was it. I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. You're probably all listening to this uh, underneath the Christmas tree. You got your AirPods in. Your family's trying to talk to you, but you're listening to Game Boys. Uh, just just keep keep strong. Keep listening. Keep those AirPods charged. Um, and uh, yeah, we will. Uh, we'll see you again one more time before the year is out. And uh, I guess I just wish everyone a, a happy holidays. Happy holidays. And also check out Haley on Memory Static and Eat, Eat, Eat Every Sound on Instagram and and YouTube, our wonderful mega super producers. So happy holidays, everyone. Enjoy. We'll see you one more time before the new year. Goodbye.